Hey, everybody. Welcome to Clean Slate Farm Podcast. Today, we're talking with Sherry Fisher. Sherry lives in Pennsylvania, and uh, I've met Sherry through, I think it was Instagram at first or Facebook at first. Uh, But Sherry has just a wonderful garden down in Pennsylvania. She's got a greenhouse, raised beds. And I don't know, Sherry, if you're a master gardener or not, but from where I sit, it sure looks like you're a master gardener. So uh, everybody, welcome Sherry Fisher. Sherry, what started you on your gardening journey? Oh, that was my mother. Uh, She always had African violets around the house. And this is when I was a small child, probably about four years old. And the dark fuzzing leaves, the pastel flowers. And one day she came to me and she said, well, would you like your own? And I said, sure. So she showed me how to, uh, she got a little pot, put some dirt in it. Uh, We moistened the soil, picked off a leaf, put a little tent with baggie, uh, you know, a plastic baggie around it, uh, rubber bands. And, um, you know, within three or four days, we had a a little sprout. And I was hooked. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, Joanne just grew uh, or bought an African violet plant. And, you know, for violets, we've always thought we've had a brown thumb, but it's growing quite well. We found a spot in the window and it's 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 liking where it is. So is it kind of a a, a semi shady spot? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It gets it doesn't get direct sunlight. Uh, It'll get some afternoon sun. Uh, but generally it's like in a window over the sink and uh, in a little bay window over the sink. So it's, it's liking it there. Mm-hmm. It's happy. So now tell me a little bit about your gardens. Cause you've got, like I mentioned earlier, you've got raised bed gardens and you've got a, a greenhouse that I keep every once in a while. I'll th- I threaten to come down and pick it up and take it back <laughs> up to upstate New York. It's Cause it's, it's absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to need wrenches. <laughs> But you, so you've got raised beds, and primarily, do you garden in raised beds? Oh yes, everything in raised beds. I started that. Uh, well, I started gardening many years ago, but the um, very earnestly in the early two thousands. And uh, we first put a raised bed here by the house, and that was a four by twelve, you know, pot PVC pipe for the hoops. And the following year, well, actually, the, that was 09. And in, the, uh, in that particular year, we also had a lot of rain. And the one side of the garden, the west side has a, um, what we've discovered, I believe, is an underground spring. So we put three large raised beds up over top of that. And that helped it considerably. And the, when I talk about large raised beds, I mean the, uh, they're about a foot deep. And uh, these were the also with the PVC hopes. And now, um, what we've also done throughout the rest of the garden, though, is we've made small raised beds, just you know, four inch mm-hmm. cedar type uh, fence planks. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. you know. Now, go ahead. And we put soil in, and uh, you know, actually a combination of mushroom compost and uh, dirt, and it uh, seems to have worked very well. Mm-hmm. So your normal raised, the, the taller raised beds are about a foot, you said, right? Yeah, they're a foot deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just keep adding, because in ours, what I used to do, we had a horse, and I had compost plenty, and then every year what I would do is in the fall, I would just add compost into that, and I wouldn't till anything, just add the compost and let that sit. So is that similar to what you do? Um, actually, once we put the compost compost and dirt combination in, we kind of left it alone Although we occasionally will add, you know, more compost, but mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's mushroom compost because first of all, uh, you have to climb up the hill and there is a depth and, and that's one reason why we call it the hilltop garden. It's, uh, it's about 300 feet to, to get up to the Wow. Hill. Yeah. Now, so is that South facing? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's, yeah, that's similar to what we have here. We, we, when we moved here nine or 10 years ago, it was like the perfect garden spot, the beautiful South facing area and our garden's about about 36 by 36 or so uh, and it gets perfect but i i terrace that into raised beds okay uh, so but that's neat well, how so now raised beds? Uh, i use we, we've got a lumber mill up the road from us here and i went up and i got some hemlock uh, and mm -hmm. some larch and so there uh, i went with 10 inches uh, and just filled them up not all the way because i knew that every year i was going to be adding a little bit more to them uh, for nutrients. So, so what do you see advantages and disadvantages in raised beds? I see no disadvantages really. I, I like them. Yes. I, I, I don't see any either because first of all, you don't have the, the soil problem that you do, particularly uh, if you have clay like we have. Uh, the, well, there is one disadvantage. You have to keep them watered and obviously right. uh, it's, well, what we put in was a, a drip irrigation system and that uh, that solved a lot of problems. Yeah, I haven't gotten to drip irrigation yet. I, for some reason, drip irrigation scares me because it's like, maybe we can talk a little bit about that. When you put in drip, you run drip lines down through the bed, right? Well, we um, on, on the raised beds, we used the, P, it was also a black, it looks like PVC. I'm not exactly sure the composition of that. But it's mm -hmm. it's it's a uh, half inch tubing, and we in okay. we inserted the emitters every uh, four inches, and we ran four lines through each bed. So that would be on on it, and those beds up there are four feet by ten feet. Because okay, now the smaller raised beds, what I actually do use is uh, what I call um, row irrigation, where it's the the flexible hosing. Yeah. And now that, because uh, those beds, some of those beds are like 15, 20 feet long. Wow. Yeah. Now, when you when you put the emitters in and then you plant next to the emitters, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what if you want to change up the bed? When you pull the emitters out, you've got a hole there, right? Or does it matter? Oh, well, um, the emitters and the um, hosing. They stay in? The, the hosing or the piping. That's permanent, and that's why, okay. in the raised, that's why in the raised beds, I, I made sure the emitters were placed every four inches for that yep. reason. Mm -hmm. Now, if you buy the uh, the line drip irrigation, the flexible one, that usually comes in six, eight, and 12 inches. I think some of them are 18 inches uh, okay. apart, but that's that's fine for like tomato plants, your, your bigger broccolis, and uh, Brussels. Okay. Uh, Onions, um, I just let it water a little longer, let it soak in. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have to look into that more because that's the problem we had this year. We had a great wet spring and the soil was beautiful and everything was great. And then we had a dry spell and it was, it was like hockey pucks in there. I, I would water, but you had keeping up with the watering was very difficult. So. Oh, I, uh, yeah. I, I agree. I, I thought it was great in the spring until uh, then my onions didn't start doing well. I, I realized that for the first time uh, that the bed was getting soaked. We had we had way too much rain in, uh, June, yeah. in uh, May, June, and July. 
Yeah, we did too. So let's talk a little bit about your greenhouse because that is absolutely beautiful. Now you garden pretty much year round in that, right? Oh, yes, yes. The, that's that's for greens. But I also found out last year uh, that I could also do cauliflower uh, and broccoli. Broccoli. I saw the, that. Broccoli is more the producer. I mean, the cauliflower, you know, is more of a, a one shot thing. But the broccoli, I, I've been very pleased with that. And uh, I started out with the, the Chico broccoli, and now I've, I've also got uh, Acadia broccoli. And the, the, the Chico broccoli is kind of, um, it's, it's taller, and, but it's, you know, wonderful side shoots. The buds aren't quite as tight, but it's still, you know, very good. The Acadia, a little squattier, smaller plant. The, the buds are, are very close together, and it's it's a beautiful broccoli head, even the side shoots. Yeah. How long did it take to build that? Well, the basics, probably about a month. Okay. But we, yeah. we had talked about it for years, and it was uh, just uh, various places that we had looked, and we decided, well, we didn't like this, we didn't like that, but we liked that part, so we just kind of incorporated everything that we liked mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Now, you used what for your glazing on that? Is that it's not glass, is it? No, no, it's polycarbonate. Okay, like twin wall, that double wall, wall stuff. Twin wall uh, polycarbonate. I okay. believe that is uh, eight millimeters. Okay. And do do you use use supplemental heating at all in there? Do you have a little heater in there, or does it pretty much take care of itself? Um. I don't, I'm not going to, um, I, I have in the past found out that in, in, uh, in the greenhouse, the roots of the plants need to be kept warm or keep some, kept somewhat warm. And so what I've done is I've, uh, first I, I put down a, um, a tarp and then underneath the tarp or right over the part of the tarp, I would put uh, heating cables, pipe heating cables, like people use on their water pipes. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. And yeah. first of all, that the, the nice thing about that is that it, that it comes on around 32, but it also goes off around 32, you know, probably uh, 38 or something like that. And I mean, it's, it's, okay. it, it really works. It's, it's amazing. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. That's kind of like our chicken water. We've got a chicken water. So the water doesn't freeze in there and it, it comes on, I think at 34 degrees, just, be, just above freezing and shuts off at 40. So, and it keeps the water warm for the chickens. So it's a similar thing. I've got, matter of fact, we've got a pipe out in the barn. We wrapped with that, that uh, wire that you were talking about. Okay. Yeah, that's neat. So what kind of plants in general do you grow? I know we talked a little earlier about uh, a few weeks ago about tomatoes. Uh, You were mentioning tomatoes and I mentioned tomatoes. And then you said, you can't eat tomatoes, but you grow tomatoes. Well, uh, my husband Paul likes them, and I, I and I to tell you the truth, I think uh, roasted tomatoes are really good, but um, not anymore. Uh, there's a type of arth- arthritis that you can have that um, you sores in your mouth and whatever, and uh, it's I, I don't eat them anymore, and I I don't have the problem. So, mm-hmm. but uh, anyway, the tomatoes that we uh, 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 that I grow are primarily a red pear, and it's not this tiny red pear that you see in some of the catalogs. This, this red pear is a big tomato, and it has few seeds, and it's from seeds from Italy, and it's an incredible sauce tomato. I've seen that. I think I bought that a few years ago. Okay. I, I 
grew that a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great tomato. Yeah. I mentioned also at one point, I'm going to send you some seeds because we planted, I found, I don't know how I did this, but I found uh, the dwarf tomato project. And I thought, wow, this is, sounds kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's all over the country and it's growers. Uh, and primarily there's a big group in New Zealand and I bought three or four different varieties of dwarf tomatoes and I grew those this year. And I just harvested those last night. I'm going to be making salsa uh, with those, but those are beautiful plants and i'm going to send you some of those seeds because i think you would really enjoy those plants they're they're on a very compact bush they don't uh they're indeterminate but not or they're determined no indeterminate but they're not they don't go crazy like like most tomato plants do they can't stay kind of compact huge huge beautiful tomatoes so we'll get you some of those seeds okay yeah yeah well, and uh you grow like peppers <laughs> yeah uh, now melons and peppers. Let's talk about melons because you've grown some incredible melons, and northern climate is kind of tough for melons. You have to have a, the right plant, correct? Oh yes, and uh, fortunately, uh, another uh, fellow gardener that I met online uh, from the, uh, North Dakota uh, had uh, some melons, and uh, some of them, uh, for example, the Minnesota midgets are just incredible. Uh, they're they're like a cantaloupe, but uh, a very sweet cantaloupe. Uh, another one is, uh, as far as watermelons, are the uh, Black Pale Mountain. Very sweet. Uh, mm-hmm. one of the earlier ones, now the uh, Black Pale Mountain, that's a, a, a red uh, watermelon, but the, um, uh, I believe it's the uh, early, um, I'm trying to think, uh, oh my, it's okay, but there. So one's a red, a red flesh, and one's a white flesh or a yellow flesh. Uh, a yellow flesh, uh, early moon. Yeah, early moon bean. Oh, yep. Now is that the one? Uh, it's, it's no, that's stars and moon that I've seen. Uh, Baker Creek has those. I'd, I'd like to try that uh, because I, I've uh, read of someone uh, also that uh, doesn't live that far from here that's growing those, and I'd like to try them too. But those are something that I never grew because uh, I tried years ago, uh, uh, you know, the bugs and everything else and powdery mildew. And I said, no, I'm never doing it again. And then I decided, well, you know what, maybe I'll just try it just one more time. And uh, I'm glad mm-hmm. I did. But the difference was that I'm now an organic gardener and I wasn't 20 years ago. And it's interesting okay. that I have less of a problem now than what I did then. That's neat. Let's talk a little bit about that. What do you do for powdery mildew? Powdery mildew, uh, as a preventive, um, I use neem oil with uh, Dr. Bronner's soap. Okay. And it's uh, topical? You just spray it on the leaves? Yes, as a foliar spray, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That works then? Because I've had, uh, this year I didn't have a problem with powdery mildew, but two years ago my squash and zucchini just took a beating on that. Uh, I still got squash and zucchini, but it was, uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty bad. So now I had some... on my uh, zucchini this year too. And the interesting thing, in fact, they're still out there, which is, which amazes me. Uh, and I've just cut the leaves off and the plants. In fact, this has been the best year for me as far as zucchini. Yeah. Now that's interesting. You say that because I did that. We have um, in the compost pile, we had a volunteer grow and I wasn't quite sure what it was. I had an idea, but it was a uh, waltham butternut squash, which I grow every year because I make squash soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we freeze the squash soup for winter eating. 
And I let that go, and it started, got a little bit of powdery mildew, but it was going all over the place. And I finally decided, well, let's trim some of these leaves off of here and trim back the vines. And, boy, I got a huge harvest out of that. I think I probably harvested 25 pounds of butternut squash out of that. And I don't know if it was due to the leaves. Is, is that possible, just it, trimming off leaves like that? It, it could be. could be. Yeah. Uh, we had a good year, too. Um, I um, I had Waldheim and uh, Polaris. Polaris, for me, was was more the uh, prolific squash. Is that a uh, butternut squash? Yes, it's a butternut squash. It's a type like yeah. Waltham or um, uh, Polaris. I also mm -hmm. grew um, on, on the squashes. I also grew the um, striped Kushaw, and I've been really pleased with that. Now, I didn't get, uh, it, it, it didn't produce much, but I got a couple of them, and, and they're, you know, pretty large. I tried one already made some, uh, quote, uh, pumpkin bread with it, and it was excellent. Oh, really? Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, your, uh, we were talking about squashes, and then I wanted to talk about potatoes also, because I grew potatoes one year in the garden, and for the next three years, I had potatoes popping up all over the place. Uh -huh. Now, you grow them in bags. Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? Oh, uh, to tell you the truth, I've been very, very happy with that. Um, although I use the 10-gallon um, the ones, I think on some of them I'm going to go, I, I use both 10-gallon and 5-gallon. On some of them, I think I'm going to go to the 5-gallon because particularly the uh, one variety that I had, the German uh, uh, Butterball, they were um, very pro more prolific in the 5-gallon one, and maybe I just didn't put enough uh, uh, sprouts in there or, you know, potato mm -hmm. cuttings. Yeah. Now, do you think it's because the compact bag, everything stays more compact and it gets a little bit, it gets more prolific? Uh, normally that I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't think so, but apparently it did with the German butterballs. Now the Elvas, the Elvas were the biggest one that I uh, grew and uh, they, I, I was pleased with them, but my favorite actually was the um, Katahdins. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, K-A-T-A-H-D-I-N. Oh, like from uh, Maine. Yeah, uh, the mountain in Maine. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they were extremely prolific. I was really surprised. Now, what are the bags made out of? Bags are made out of recycled um, drinking uh, containers. Oh, that's good. Something, something to do with all those water bottles that people are buying and throwing away. Right, the water bottles. Yeah. yeah. And it's got drainage, so it drains a little bit as well. It's porous. There, uh, it's it creates like a, a semi-permeable type uh, membrane, whereas the, when the roots hit the air, they they die, and so you don't have the uh, root-bound problem that you normally do uh, growing mm -hmm. something in a pot. Okay, so it's kind of like uh, uh, what the soil blocks, air, air right. pruned roots. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Same principle. Cool. Now, those are available, uh, I, I'm going to mention it, Johnny Seeds or someone has that, or Actually, where, where do you get those? Greenhouse Megastore. The Greenhouse Megastore, okay. Yes, yes, they, they've, uh, and but it's Root Patch that makes them out of uh, Washington State, I believe. But I mean, there's obviously okay. there's other brands out there too, but I've always gotten mine in from uh, Greenhouse Megastore because you can buy in bulk, and I use them in the greenhouse too, so that's the, the other okay. thing. And I use all different, um, although I don't use the 10-pound or 10-gallon one, but I'll use the 5-gallon uh, one and 3- and 2-gallon uh, ones. I mean, excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll have to try that because one of our favorite things, uh, favorite soups is 
in addition to the butternut squash and tomato soup is the uh, potato leek soup. And I have great success with leeks up here. Uh, but like I said, the potatoes, I put them in one year and I had potatoes growing all over the place. And <laughs> I I'd dig up and a potato plant would come up in the middle of the tomatoes. And so, but uh, in bags sounds interesting. I'll, I'll have to give that a shot. Now, what do you use for season extenders? You mentioned earlier you had uh, uh, in your raised beds, you did low tunnels with hoops, yes. plastic and... Yes, the uh, the low tunnels, uh, the four by tens or the four by twelves, and I've also got a couple of four by fives, I believe, too. With the uh, PVC hoops, I'll use Agrabond, and I, I use Agrabond nineteen, but many a times I'll put on a double layer. Okay. And then um, when it gets below twenty five uh, Fahrenheit, I'll uh, put on plastic. And I, I, I just buy a, a simple, uh, cheap plastic at one of the box stores. It's only like four to six mils. But I know okay. that there are people that use the uh, plastic, particularly if they've got hoop houses, and, that, and that's essential, I think, uh, where they, they use the ones where you don't have a, um, you don't have the moisture problem from them. Right. Yeah, I've got, I'm fortunate here. Our neighbor uh, is a, has a farm stand. They're market gardeners. And. Okay. Big potato crops and flowers, and they have, oh God, I think there's like eight giant uh, greenhouses down there. Oh. And every couple of years, they they will recover them. And I ask our neighbor, it's like, well, if you have any of that stuff left over, I'll take it. Oh, <laughs> and I get so I get funny. these nice big sheets. Oh, it is, yeah. <clears throat> it works out really well for me. So every couple of years, I get new plastic for my for my low tunnels here. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, now, how long down there? I, I find that I can get maybe, a, and I'm no Elliot Coleman by any means, uh, or Nikki Jabor, but I find I can get maybe another week, uh, two weeks, push three weeks, uh, beginning and end of the season with, with our system. How long in your area can you get oh, with I, the tunnels? With the tunnels, definitely some sometimes even until January. January and February are the toughest wow. months. I I I wow. I, uh, I have pe- picked uh, in my uh, low tunnels when I was growing it, uh, up until you know the end of December, sometimes early January. But since I have the greenhouse, I haven't done that quite as much because the greenhouse yeah. has kind of uh, taken taken the uh, you know taken away from the uh, low tunnels. And it's mm-hmm. enough. My, my my primary reason, when I, really, uh, for gardening was for twenty, you know, for twelve months a year was the greens, because I'm I, I'm kale, all sorts of uh, uh, Asian um, uh, greens are something that I eat every day. Right. Yep. We do that as well, and that's why we started doing the low tunnels was. Uh, so we could get a jump on with spinach and, and lettuce because we eat a lot of salads around here when we, we'd have chicken. I can't remember the last time I had a piece of beef or, or pork, but uh, so we use it so we can get our salads started earlier and extend it later into the season. And uh, we really like that. That's, that's great. But wow. January, I'm really slacking here. If I can only get it a couple of weeks then. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, but now on your last year, definitely in the greenhouse. Um, it was twelve months. I I, wow. I had kale. In fact, I also had, what the big thing was is that I also that was the first year that I had the broccoli in there, 
And that's why I have more broccoli plants this year because I I had I was picking broccoli in February. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I've seen uh, you know Elliot Coleman. He's got huge greenhouses up there. Uh, and I, you're familiar with Nikki Jabor? Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, very. And and the cover of her book is great. She's got like three feet of snow on the ground. She's left, and there's all these greens inside this. Mm-hmm. this uh, and it looks really good. But I don't know if I'm quite at that level yet. But now your your tomatoes and different plants. What do you use? I I've seen uh, on your Instagram feed you you do a lot of staking for beans and things like that. What do you use for that? Is that bamboo or just sticks? We uh, we switch to bamboo and. Um... For the uh, for the trellis uh, for tomatoes, I basically made a, a triangular type uh, trellis. But for the um, for the melons, we used three quarter inch to one inch bamboo, and that okay. worked out very well. We in, I, I didn't have any problem with any of the uh, butternut type squashes uh, pulling pulling it down. I mean, yeah. that, that worked very well. But I, I, I think we did it in uh, four to six uh, feet were, were like the widths, uh, or excuse me, the lengths of uh, the... Um, oh, so it's a little bit stiffer. Yeah, it'll give you a little stiffer so it doesn't bend as much there. Mm-hmm. Neat. So let's talk about preserving a little bit because with everything that you grow, I presume that, that you preserve quite a bit. Yes, but uh, I'm a I'm a freezer person. I okay. I freeze most of my I I, ha, I have done my fair share of uh, canning, uh, but I I have found that uh, just bagging them up and put putting them in the freezer uh, works out fine. Mm-hmm. Now, do you like uh, like tomatoes and things like that? What do you, What do you primarily freeze? I primarily freeze the uh, tomatoes, but well, actually, peppers are are the big thing. One thing, though, uh, freezing peppers that I found is that if you cut them up and put them on like a large jelly roll pan, and mm-hmm. put them in the freezer, let them freeze first, then put them in the bags. I seem to have a a, a better um, they're they're better when you use them. Okay. And they also don't. I do the together. Yeah, I do that with uh, like all my berries and things. Like when we pick strawberries or blueberries, I freeze them on a sheet pan, put them in a Ziploc, or or I'll even vacuum pack them uh, to keep the frost from getting on them. As a matter of fact, I was just cleaning out the freezer the other day, adding more soups, and I found a bag of strawberries from two years ago that I didn't know I had in there. Uh, and that's they were perfect. There was nothing wrong with them. Yeah, they were doing great. Do Do you do any fermenting for like pickles or anything like that? I've tried. I've tried. It I, just I doesn't work. Sauerkraut. I cannot do sauerkraut. I I know that you're the king on that there, but I are on it. But I I certainly. I always have an off taste. I don't know what I'm doing. I I, um, I don't know if I check them too soon. Um, although I did try it once successfully with um, some some cauliflower and peppers. That that didn't. Yep. That uh, worked out well, but I don't know what it is with the sauerkraut. Why I have an off taste? I've got the pebbles, uh, like like what you do. I've I've done the other ones with the uh, distillation type tops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what it is because the first time I did it, I used regular kosher salt, mm-hmm. uh, and it came out terrific. And then I switched over to um, I don't remember what it was now. It was a flakier salt. It was more like a fleur de sel. It was very 
Harvey Crystals. And I always seem to have good luck. And I don't, I, maybe I'm just, knock on wood, I got lucky. But uh, our sauerkraut, matter of fact, we just finished up the last jar of sauerkraut from last year. And I'm, I've got to pick the cabbages and start a new batch. But, yeah, we love the stuff. So Now, seed saving. Because you grow so much, I presume that you purchased some seeds, but you also probably do a lot of seed saving, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, peppers. I can't remember the last time I bought any pepper seeds. Mm-hmm. or uh, even uh, tomatoes uh, for, the, for that reason. Uh, and and I, I think it's also a good thing uh, just to, uh, they're acclimated to your area at that mm-hmm. time. And, they're, and, and yeah. particularly peppers, they're easy to save. Although yeah, peppers do, are simple. Although you do have to make sure that they're ripe enough when you save them. Yeah, like we've had, I tried one year with green peppers before I started seed saving and more earnest. And it was like, I picked the green peppers and I planted it the next year and it really didn't work out that well. I didn't have a very successful rate, but then the next year I let them go. Uh, it was a, a red pepper, uh, King of the North, I think it was. And they went real red and I just let them go almost until it was like soft and got really soft. And I took the seeds from that and I've had good success with that. So you find that to be the same? Do you have any tips oh, yeah. or tricks for saving? That's 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 basically it. Let them uh, actually decompose a little bit before you uh, take the seeds from them. I, I found that that uh, works better. And particularly the hot ones, they stay hotter. Because I think that's how some of my jalapenos at times have lost some of their hotness. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I've, I'm kind of taking the, the hands-off approach. Uh, when I stand back, my big thing is... Uh, what I like about gardening is it teaches you patience. Um, uh, and I, because you you put everything in in the spring and it's like, go, go, go. And it's like, that plant's not moving until it wants to go. Uh, so I take a hands-off approach kind of, and uh, I, I kind of follow nature. Uh, like you said, decompose a little bit. Some of the tomatoes that I'm, I just let some of the tomatoes stay on the vine until they get really, really ripe. And that's when I'll harvest. I'm going to be doing that today. Uh, for the tomato seeds. But uh, I, I always find that nature knows best what's going on and all I have to do is listen a little bit. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. completely agree on that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, now, have you ever done cucumbers? Because I've got some cucumbers that are really great tasting cucumbers. I want to do that, but I need to get the seeds out and I've left a couple on the vine waiting for those to go. For the first year in Any- years, I tried cucumbers and this year and I was very, very successful with that. The uh, I had I got some seeds from um, seed savers and they were called okay. uh, Long Longfellow and they said they weren't a huge producer but I I was very pleased with it I also had uh, another one called Market More yes Market More I grew that a couple of years ago uh, this year I don't remember what I got this year one was a bush type and one was a vining type and we had a good good crop I got a lot of pickles out of that like this so I'm hoping to say. I, I like the slicing pickles as well, and uh, and it's also something that I, I use in my salads. And plus, I, I have a spiralizer, and I have, I have a tendency to spiralize everything. <laughs> yeah, well, like my dad used to say, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, Sherry, uh, thanks very much for, for coming on the show. Uh, I appreciate your time. and uh... Um, I also have a little... Uh, column that I do on WordPress, but I'm still getting started with that. Well, you're doing really well with that because I've been reading that and uh, you're doing a great job. You're a great writer. You are very thorough and yeah, it's really good. But uh, well, Sherry, thanks again for being on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. 
And I told you this show was going to air probably the third in the series, but I think what I'm going to do is mix things around a little bit, and this will be the second uh, podcast that is broadcast. Uh, but thanks again. And it was and, good uh, with you. Well, thanks very much. It was, it was great fun. I appreciate it. So I'm going to get those seeds. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get those tomato seeds ready, and we'll get you some tomato some seeds. I have some onions okay. for you. Oh, hey, how did the garlic go? Because you had... Oh, the garlic. Uh, yes, yes. How, how could we forget? That's, you know, one of the I know. things. The garlic was great. Uh, a, a nice uh, uh, stiff neck type uh, garlic, I, I, or hard neck. I, I'm, I was very uh, pleased with it. Like the taste. Yeah, and that's really say, good stuff. I'm, I'm, and in fact, that's, you know, coming up here very shortly. Uh, although with this warm weather, I think we're going to wait towards uh, the end of October to plant instead of the middle. Right. Yeah. I was getting a little concerned myself. Um, and now I've got a second problem in my garden because we have the chickens and the chickens free range. And I just noticed they were down in my garlic bed and they're digging up. And <laughs> so now I've got to fence that off before I put the garlic in, but that'll, the garlic will be going in in a little while. Yeah. So, well, good. Thanks again, Sherry. It's been a pleasure talking to you and, uh, we'll catch up on your webpage, which is what's the webpage again? Share to garden. Share to everything. Share to garden yeah. with the number two. Good, great, Sherry. Thanks for talking with us today. Thank you, Dave. You bet. Bye bye. On our next show, we're going to be talking about fermenting and making garlic dill pickles. Why you should weigh salt and not measure salt in a tablespoon or a teaspoon. You can find Clean Slate Farm at cleanslatefarm.com, on Instagram and on Facebook. Have a look. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Clean Slate Farm. All rights reserved. Copyright 2017.